Every first Wednesday, we take the time to talk about one of our house habits, and tonight we're going to be learning about the house habit. We lead out. Say that with me. We lead out. So good. I love it. You guys were singing good, too. Just a side note. Okay. We lead out because we are leaders. Okay, so now let's say that together. We are leaders. We are. Ah, do you believe that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know. So tell, tell, find somebody and tell them, I am a leader. Oh my gosh, there was sass over here with that. I don't know what that's about. It's a little shake. I am a leader. Okay, very good. Okay, that's true. I am a leader. You are a leader. Did, was that un- uncomfortable at all for some of you to say that to somebody? Because that used to be uncomfortable for me. People started telling me I was a leader, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what, how, how do you know? How do you define that? What does that look like? And so I want to define leader another way for us tonight. Another way that we can define the word leader is by using the word human. Ah, that's good. Because at the very basic level of leadership, We are all leading at least one person, and that person is ourselves. John Maxwell, a leadership guru, phenom, amazing man of God who teaches on leadership all over the world, he defines leadership as influence. And all of us have the power to influence someone, even if that someone is us. We could also define leader as parent. Any parents in the house? Teacher friend, student, or for us in this room, we could elevate the definition a little bit higher and spell it C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, Christian. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. This will be some familiar verses for you. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. We are the light of the world. We're cities on a hill. We are a lighthouse on a dark shore in the middle of a dark sea. Our lives are to be examples of the goodness and the greatness of God. We are actually called to lead out. We are called to be an influence in our broken and lost world. And if you are a Christian, then you are a leader, whether you like it or not. And because you are a leader, you're going to have to practice, and I'm going to have to practice this habit over and over again. We lead out means so many things. We could define it so many ways. But tonight, I just want to define it and tell you kind of what it means to me. There's a leadership role model that taught me one of the definitions of we lead out that I'm going to be talking about tonight. And his name is Big Weld. Watch this video. I love to tinker. But all the tinkering in the world isn't useful unless it starts with a good idea. So look around for a need and start coming up with ideas to fill that need. One idea will lead to another, and before you know it, you've done it. See a need, fill a need. That's it, Dad. I have to look for... 
need. Oh my God. So profound. I'm telling you, I can still remember the first time I saw this movie. I was a single mom. I wasn't a Christian. I hadn't been a Christian that long. And I was sitting on the floor in my living room. My kids were kind of playing behind me. And that scene came on. And I'm telling you guys, something happened to me. Because I was saved and I was so in love with Jesus. And, 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 and there was something was starting to stir in me. I was kind of thinking like, now what? You know what I mean? You know when you get that, now what? That starts to kind of stir in your heart. And that, that robot said, see a need, fill a need. And I'm telling you, it was like a light bulb went off in my mind. And something jumped up in my spirit and said, that's it. Because I am a Christian, I get to see needs, and then I get to fill needs. This habit is so core to me that I taught it to our dream teamers. Anybody remember that? Any of my, y'all are not dream teamers anymore. Y'all are grown-ups. You're in high school. But when I was the kids pastor here, when we had our dream team, this was our, our kids' leadership team, which we still have today, we would talk about this every time we met. We said, this is what leaders do. They see a need, and then they fill a need. They don't wait for someone else to do it. They don't make excuses. They say, hey, I'll do it. If there's trash on the ground, I'll pick it up. If someone needs help, I'll help them. If another kid is lonely, I'll be their friend. We see a need, we fill a need, because leaders go first. We lead out. And if we lead out means we see a need and then we fill a need, then whose needs should we be filling? 1 John 3.16. I love this verse. We have come to know love by this, that Jesus laid down his life for us. Thus, I just love that kind of language, so you get that tonight. We ought to lay down our lives for our fellow Christians. Wow. When I see one of my brothers or sisters in need, I'm supposed to fill the need. I don't look around wondering who's going to help them. Who's going to fill the gap? I look up and I say, Father, what can I do? Do they need encouragement? I can give that. Do they need a meal? I can fix that or buy that. Some of you might want to buy that. Do they need a friend? I can be that. What do they need? If I can fill the need, I don't wait for someone else to fill it. I fill it. I sacrifice my comfort for theirs. I sacrifice my convenience for theirs. I lay my life down. I see the need and I feel the need because that's what we do. We lead out. We go first. We fill the needs of other believers, but who else? Who else? Psalm 82, 3 and 4. Defend the cause of the poor and the fatherless. Vindicate the oppressed and suffering. Rescue the poor and needy. Deliver them from the power of the wicked. I love this verse. Here the psalmist is asking God to intervene on behalf of those who can't fend for themselves. And hear me, we should be doing the same thing. We should be asking God to rescue refugees. We should be asking God to rescue slaves. 
We should be asking God to meet the need of orphans. And we should be asking God to provide for the poor. But we don't stop there. We are God's children. So we should be defending the cause of the poor and the fatherless, vindicating the oppressed and suffering, rescuing the poor and needy, delivering them from the power of the wicked. That's our job. This is so important to God that he speaks about it himself in scripture. Do you ever run across those scriptures where God himself jumps into the page and he speaks? This is one of those times and he's actually talking about describing a king that he approved of in Israel. And this is what God says about him in Jeremiah 22, 16. He gave justice and help to the poor and needy and everything went well for him. Isn't that what it means to know me, says the Lord. Wow. And when I read that, it got all over me. God says, this is how you prove that you know me. You look out for the needs of others. So many people come to me with that question all the time. Clarissa, how do I know that I know God? This is one of those ways you know. Because your stingy, Grinch-sized heart begins to grow. And you start to see people who are needy. And you start to see people who are poor. And instead of judging them, you begin to ask, what can I do? Ask yourself this. When I see the poor and needy, does my heart break? Is it moved with compassion or does it grow cold? You know what I mean by cold. Like when you see them, you start asking yourself and speculating, what did they do to deserve this? I bet they have a job. I bet they have a better car than me. Man, that sign looks good. Did they have a new Sharpie? They got a new Sharpie. They got money. Okay, I'm just talking about me. This is what I do, guys. Like, what? What are we doing? Why do we do that? You know, Jesus talked about us giving to people who were the least of these. Jesus talked about us entertaining angels unaware. Jesus talked about us welcoming people into our home who had nothing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But we've allowed our culture, bear with me, come on, our American culture to jump into our theology and to frame the way that we see people. Instead of speculating about them and doubting, what if we just prayed for them? What if we stopped and had a conversation with them? What if we bought them a meal and we worked through the whole conversation of, I don't want food, I want money. What if we just did it anyway? What if, instead of driving fast by them, when they say they need a ride, we stopped and asked them where they needed to go? We lead out. We do something. We see the need and then we fill it because we're not afraid to go first. As a community, we go first into our failing schools. That's what we were just talking about tonight. 
someone in our community, and I keep hearing her voice, so I know she's in the room, found out that there was a gap, that little kids were playing sports hungry. Have you ever tried to do anything hungry? <laughs> you get a little hangry. You get a little tired. And so she started doing it herself, and then we stepped in as a community, and we began to fill the need. We go first into the neighborhoods that everybody else just wants to drive fast by and won't dare drive into. You know the ones I'm talking about? That's what we do because we lead out, because we're called to be a light in the world. We step into the gaps that everybody else thinks are too big. They're too messy. They're too complicated. We take the hill that nobody else wants to take because somebody's got to do it. It might as well be the children of God full of the spirit of God. But we lead out doesn't just mean we go first. Another way to define we lead out is to add four words to the end. We lead out of who we are. That means we lead out of our experience. We lead out of our personality. This is something I love so much about the local church and the body of Christ all over the world. We all come into this room with different stories and different experiences and different capabilities, and we get to bring it all into the house, and we get to lead the way that we lead. We don't have to compare ourselves to one another. None of us are ever going to be Pastor Philip, okay? Good, all right? We know that. Nobody, you're not going to be me. I can't be you, but you can lead out of who you are, and you can reach people that I'll never be able to reach. And I can reach people that you'll never be able to reach. So we don't compare and we don't stay in the shadows because we don't have what so-and-so has. No, we lead out of who we are with what we have. And we let God use us for his glory. We lead out of our experience. We lead out of our personality. But there's something else that we're leading out of that I want to focus on for the rest of our time together. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything we do flows from our heart. Let that sink in, because that's both good news and bad news. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, 9 through 11. Okay, Jeremiah, here we go. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Yay. And desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Proverbs 23, 6 and 7. Do not eat the bread of a miser or a stingy person, nor his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but in his, his heart is not with you. Here's the bad news. Our hearts are our leaders, and they are deceptive. Our hearts are our leaders, and they are deceptive. We can be thinking one thing in our heart, feeling one thing in our heart, but doing something completely different. Here's the good news. 
Because we are believers, come on, we have the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of us, which means we have the power and the ability to examine our hearts and change our hearts. Come on, somebody. That's good news. Our heart is who we really are on the inside. And according to the word of God, it's what matters most to God. There are two qualities that we need to eliminate in our hearts and two qualities that we have to cultivate in our hearts if we're going to lead out in a way that honors God and blesses others. And the first thing that we have to eliminate is our pride. How do I know if I'm leading out of pride? I boast about my accomplishments and I diminish the accomplishments of others. I take all the credit for a team or a family effort. You ever done that with Thanksgiving? That's what I do. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, Dale. I love you. I demand all the attention by talking too much or by monopolizing the time of others. I'm always sizing people up, and I secretly see myself as better than other people in the room. I use my position and my authority to get my way. I hear myself saying things like, because I said so, all the time. I don't ask others questions for fear that it will expose my ignorance. You ever been just plumb ignorant in a conversation, but you can't tell anybody because you don't want them to know? I know. I, I mean, it's just me maybe in the room. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> for sure. Google. As soon as I leave the room. Right? Because I don't want to expose my ignorance. What is, what is making that happen? What's in my heart that makes me act that way? Pride. I refuse to or I'm the last one to apologize to my children, my spouse, my employees, or my friends. And when confronted with a need or task, I'm always thinking, that's beneath me. Here's a kicker. I don't really see myself as a follower at all. I try to lead everyone in my life, including God. Hey, God, this is what I need, and this is where we're going, so let's go. Anybody live like that? When I lead out of pride, I have an overly high opinion of myself. I'm haughty. I'm arrogant. I'm always inwardly thinking, what about me? You could say I'm downright selfish. C.S. Lewis There's a quote in his book, Mere Christianity, that has just rocked my socks for 13 years. And he says this. He says that pride is what made the devil the devil. That pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. What do we cultivate in the place of pride? You already know. Humility. We need some humble hearts. Amen. There's an organization that I love and a book that I read every year called Lead Like Jesus, and they define humility this way. Something to hope for but never claim. Something to observe in others. A kingdom perspective. I love that. 
a kingdom perspective, a perspective that says, I'm in a kingdom and there is a king and it's not me. That's humility. Philippians 2, 3. Come on, we're in the book of Philippians. Don't do anything only to get ahead. Don't do it because you are proud. Instead, be humble. Value others more than yourselves. How do I know if I'm leading with a humble heart? I value others more than myself. It doesn't mean I don't value myself. It just means that I'm not number one in my life. When I make a decision, my first thought is not what's in it for me. This is why so many of us don't meet the needs around us. Come on. I know it's true because I'm talking about me too. Because instead of valuing the other person over myself, I think, what's in it for me? Will somebody see me doing it? Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. Will I get an award? Will they post it on social media? Oh, they're not going to do any of those things? Okay, then I'm not going to do it. No, I'm kidding. Seriously, though. What else... Why else would we need a humble heart? Psalm 25, 9. This is a verse that I love. Speaking about God, it says, he leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. God leads the humble. That's why we need a humble heart. Because I don't know about you, but when I lead myself, whoo, (laughs) I've ended up in some places. Some of you heard the podcast. You know what I'm talking about. He leads the humble. So I want to be humble. He teaches them how to follow his ways. How many of you in your heart of hearts just say, God, I just want to follow you, right? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And God will teach you. If we want to lead our heart in the right direction, then we're going to have to change our position. We have to go low. We have to serve and sacrifice and remember that God is God and we are not. What else do we need to eliminate in our hearts? We need to eliminate this ugly four-letter word called fear. Because fear is a terrible leader. And it will make you a terrible leader. How do I know if I'm leading out of fear? I withhold information from people that I work with because I'm afraid of what they'll think or I'm afraid they'll take the credit. I intimidate others. I use fear as a tactic. I use my anger as a tactic in my own conversations and my relationships. I discourage honest feedback for fear that someone will unearth all of my insecurities and weaknesses. I make all of my decisions with the worst case scenario. Come on, I know I've done this. In the foremost thought of my mind, when confronted with a need or a task, I'm always thinking, that's too big for me. And instead of praying about everything, I worry about everything. And God forbid I step out of my comfort zone because what if I fail? When I lead out of fear, I have an insecure view of the future. I worry more about what people think than what God thinks. 
and I don't have the right view of myself or God. Some of you have been leading out of a fearful heart your whole life. And I know this because this is my issue. Fear. All the what ifs, all the speculation. And I let fear help me make decisions. <laughs> fear is a horrible partner. It's a terrible leader. Some of you have been doing that your whole life, but it's time to eliminate it. And you have to replace it with confidence. We're going to lead out. We're going to take the hill that no one else is willing to take. That's what we're going to do. And if we're going to do it, we're going to need a confident heart. We need hearts that are full of a God-grounded confidence. Lead like Jesus defines God-grounded confidence this way, resting assured in God's nature, his goodness, his purpose, his plan, his process, and provision. Proceeding with faith one step at a time. If I have God-grounded confidence, what am I confident in? I'm confident in God's unmatched power. There is no power, no power in the universe that can stand up to the power of our God. And if that is true, and he is with me, then what do I have to fear? God, again, speaks for himself in Jeremiah 32, 27. And he says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? And the answer is no. And if nothing is too hard for him, then we can speak with the writer of Hebrews and say confidently, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. The Lord is my helper, the one who can do all things, who has unmatched power. So why in the world would I fear? What else am I confident in if I have a confident heart? God's unconditional love. Oh, my God, if we could get this, whew, we'd stop shaking every time we get a bad report. We stop quaking in our boots every time something doesn't work out the way we planned. If we could just get it in our heart, deep down in our soul, that God's love for us is unconditional and nothing, no nothing can separate us from his love. We can be confident in God because God confidently loves us. His love doesn't waver. His love doesn't change. I can be confident in God's love because God's going to always love me confidently. If your heart isn't grounded in God, it can be uprooted by your feelings, other people's opinions, other people's reactions, the stock market, the bank account, the phone call, and the list goes on and on. I have to replace my fear with a God-grounded confidence. 
that says no matter the circumstance I'm in, the responses of those I'm leading or following, I am secure in my identity and God's identity, and I will not be moved. Our heart is always leading us, and whether we know it or not, we are following. And if our heart is our leader, then it's high time that we begin to lead our hearts. It's not a one-time job. Philip, you can come up now. It's a habit. We lead out. It's a habit. We don't do this one time. We're not going to be done with fear like that. We're not going to be done with pride like that. We're not going to cultivate humility like that. We have to get up every day and say, God, today, today, I lay my life down. Today, I choose to be secure in your unconditional love. Today, today, God, I choose to lean into your unmatched power. If you can put stars in the sky and make sure that this, this thing called the earth is spinning at just the right rate of speed, then you can take care of me today. I told you about one of my leadership role models at the beginning, Big Weld. Watch the movie Robots. It's so good. And even showed you a little video to back it up. But I will now want to give you a picture of my favorite leadership role model of all time. John 13, 1 through 5. Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his time had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them to the very end. Don't you love Jesus? The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, that he should betray Jesus. This is the part I love. Because Jesus knew that the Father had handed all things over to him, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he got up from the mill, removed his outer clothes, took a towel, tied it around himself, poured water into the wash basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel that he had wrapped around himself. If you want to know what God-grounded confidence and humility looks like? You just look at Jesus. It says that he knew who he was. He knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. And with that knowledge, he was confident. And he could humble himself. And he could do the thing that nobody else at the table had offered to do. Can you imagine the disciples in that moment? Somebody's supposed to wash the feet. You think they started arguing about who it was supposed to be? Luke, wait, you're not even a disciple. Never mind, you're not there. John, you're supposed to do it. You're Jesus' friend. He loves you. That's what you keep telling everybody. Matthew, you should do it. You were a tax collector, dude. You were like, thank before you knew Jesus. You should wash everybody's feet. They could have talked about it for hours. But the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who by all things were made, took off his outer clothes and he did the job that nobody else wanted to do. And then he said this, 
you call, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you do so correctly, for that is what I am. I am your leader. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. You should do just as I have done for you. I tell you the solemn truth. The slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent as a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I love Jesus. I serve Jesus not just because he saved me. I also serve him because everything he's ever asked me to do, he did himself. <laughs> Forgive others, I did it. Love hard people, I did it. Give to the poor, I did it. Serve and sacrifice because I did it. We lead out. That's what we do. But the first thing we have to do is lead our heart. We want to look like Jesus, don't we? We want to lead like Jesus, don't we? You can stand with me. I wish I had learned this lesson earlier in my life. I thought that leadership was all about experience and position and titles. <laughs> but the most important thing I've come to find that a leader needs is to possess a humble and confident heart. Parents, hear me. You leading out of fear does not just affect you. It's affecting your children. If your eight-year-old is already anxious, just hear me. It might be because you are. If your son is prideful and stubborn and he doesn't do anything you want him to do, I'm just saying check your own heart because we produce the type of followers that we are. Jesus is our example. He's our ideal. And as the children of God, full of the Spirit of God, we can lead out of humility and we can lead out of confidence just like he did. We're supposed to go into the darkness and we're supposed to shine our light. We're supposed to see those needs and we're supposed to fill those needs. We take the hills nobody else wants to take, but hear me tonight, as you take the hill, always check your heart because the people that are following you need you to leave your pride at home and they need you to lead your fear alone because it's going to affect them too we don't shrink back from what we see but as we go we ask our father to help us see what's really going on in here you can close your eyes and bow your heads just for a second. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray over the food. We're going to eat our chicken sandwiches. 
just want you to work this out for yourself right now. Just quietly in this moment. Have you been leading out of fear? Have you been leading out of pride? Come on, some of you know it's so clear to you right now. Some of the people you've even hurt because of the way you've been leading them. Right now, just talk to God about it. Just in your own words. Nobody's listening. We all have problems. Just in your own words. Father, right now we confess. We lead out of fear and pride so often. But we want to be like you, Jesus. We want to lead out of a humble heart, out of a confident heart, out of a heart that's unafraid to do the hard things, out of a heart that's unafraid to do the small things. We want to see needs and we want to fill them. We are done with our excuses. We want to serve. We want to lay our lives down because we're your children and we're full of your spirit. And this is what you've called us to do. Now, Father, I thank you for everyone in this room. We all walked in here with the best of intentions. You're revealing to us in the room that we've been leading out of fear our whole life and we're just done with it tonight. You're revealing to some of us in the room that we've been leading out of pride 80% of the time and God, we're just done with it tonight. Tonight we say we want to cultivate humility and confidence in our heart and we want to push out by your spirit, fear and pride. Thank you, God that when you begin a work, you finish it. And we never have to be afraid. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.